Good morning, everybody. We are going to be in our third and final week of a series we began several weeks ago entitled Waiting Room, and it's simply a conversation about the reality that sometimes in our spiritual lives, it feels to us like God isn't speaking to us, that there is a season of just complete silence, no matter what it is that we're going through, and sometimes it's compounded by the fact that we are going through something very difficult, a very hard season of life, and we are in desperate need of hearing from the voice of God, and yet after praying, after listening, it feels like the response back is nothing, just silence. And it's never easy to experience the silence of God. Because when it happens, our brain naturally takes place, what it does is it naturally tries to interpret that silence. Your brain is trying to answer the question, why is God not answering? Why is he not speaking? Why am I in a season of silence? And most of the time, at least if you're like me, your brain does not go to favorable interpretations. Like, in the midst of God's silence, I don't know if my brain has ever thought to itself, oh, he's silent because he loves me, or he's silent for my own good. Like, those are not the natural thoughts that come to my mind in the midst of God's silence. In fact, what typically happens is my heart wants to rush to, he's mad at me, or he's angry with me, or he's disappointed with me, or he isn't concerned with my life at all, or even in more extreme moments, he doesn't exist at all. And my guess is for a lot of people, you probably will experience that same sort of interpretation in the midst of God's silence. In fact, I would be curious if I had just, if you just set up two chairs in a room and I asked you for just a moment to sit in one and just for a moment to imagine that God is sitting in the other chair right across from you and imagine what God would say to you. Like both of you face to face sitting in two chairs, what would God say to you? My guess is for the majority of people in the room, what God would say back to you is some message of disappointment in you, that he's upset with you for something, that he might be angry. And then your mind would get flooded with things that you can think of in your life that, oh, it must have been so discouraging, disappointing uh, for God. And so sometimes the sense is that God is probably just upset with you. Instead of what I believe to be the truth, that if you were sitting face-to-face with God, he would completely overwhelm you, probably even without words, with how crazy in love he is with you. But in the midst of the silence, our interpretations are not really without some foundation and experience. And and you know this because if anyone else in your life were giving you the silent treatment, after a certain amount of time, what would you do? Like, you just, see ya. Like, I don't need that in my life. Like, you'd walk away. Like, if anyone else were to treat you in the midst of God's silence, like it feels like God at times treats us, it might be difficult to hang in there in regards to relationship. If you've ever had a friend that doesn't return your call, doesn't return your text. They never initiate a conversation with you. They're always too busy for you. In fact, if you happen to even be together, at least in proximity and space, if they don't speak to you, like truly the silent treatment, after a certain amount of time, you're just going to walk away from that. And that is, at times, the danger and the temptation in the midst of the waiting room. It feels like God is giving you the silent treatment, and after a while, you become exhausted of trying And the temptation rises up to just walk away. And oftentimes, not always, sometimes, but often, when you talk to somebody who walked away from faith or God or the church, and you listen to their story, it is often, now sometimes it is, it's about rational arguments and intellectual philosophical considerations, but often, if you'll listen to their story long enough, what you'll hear is there was a moment in their relationship with God when he was silent or he was quiet or he didn't answer, or they prayed 
faithfully and earnestly. I mean, they poured out their entire heart being very vulnerable with God, asking him to please come and rescue their mother who was sick, and then in the end, their mother still died. And those are hard to reconcile in the spiritual life at times as to why didn't God answer that? Why didn't he step and do something? Why didn't he intervene? And these are real situations, and we have to take them seriously in the spiritual life and avoid trite and ridiculous responses. Now, hear me when I say this, because when people walk through tragedies like that, when it feels like God did not answer their prayers, or when he was silent altogether, the last thing that they need is for you to walk up and say, oh, God must have needed another angel up in heaven, right? Like, no, you don't have to say that. Like, that's just, that's crap anyhow. Like, go find another angel. I need this one here on earth with me. And it's an awkward theological category of thought, but sometimes hearing God's voice, again, comes through the agonizing experience of having to make up with and forgive, I know that's an odd thought, and reconcile with God. And many of you already know this. We've talked about this in the past, but you probably don't need me here, you don't need me to give you permission, but just in case there's one person here who still needs it, you can direct all of your anger and your frustration and your exasperation and your ticked offedness, if that's even a word, but it is now, at God. Like if you're mad at him, what I'd say is it's okay to duke that out with him and let him know that you're mad at him. I promise you, he's not scared of you and he's big enough to handle whatever it is that you're kind of dealing with, that your first step back into real relationship with God really might be reconciling with him and overcoming that moment when you were quiet when I desperately needed you to say something. And that is why I think it's so important for you to know that if you were experiencing the waiting room, if the silence of God is deafening to you, you are not alone. And if you'll do an examination, not only in Scripture, but just even throughout church history, what you'll find is every great saint and hero of our faith has experienced the exact same thing. They have had at least a season where they entered into the dark night of the soul. And at the very least, let that mitigate your temptation in the midst of his silence to walk away. And may God give you grace in the midst of your attempts as you interpret why it is that he's being so silent. But if I might wrap up this series by suggesting sometimes God's silence should lead us then to ask bigger questions. Like if we're not hearing from God at all, if it feels like he's just silent, it ought to lead us then to at least consider some other questions and ask ourselves in regards to our own spiritual life. Are there reasons that God might not be speaking to me? Or better said, are there reasons why I can't hear God speaking to me? Which you understand those are two totally different things. And I think it's okay to analyze, to go introspective for just a bit, to see if there might be some other variables at work. What I mean is it, it might be time for a diagnostic checkup. And what I mean by that is um, I don't know anything about cars, as you well know. So if you ever have any car problems, I'm not the guy to – I'll help you push your car somewhere. But in terms of fixing it, I don't, I don't know anything. So when I go to the mechanic, uh, Mark's Auto Care on Main Street, shout out to Mark and take care of my car for so long um, – he probably thinks I'm an idiot, which is true, but when I go in, I don't know what's wrong with my car, so I don't have any real knowledge or language to say, I believe that there's some moisture in my carburetor, like I don't know if that even happens, so I can't say those things. So what I have to do is I have to imitate what I think my car sounds like. So, well, well what's wrong with your car? It's going, that's what I got to do in the lobby, and he's got to listen to me and figure out, okay, 
idiot. This is probably, but so what will happen next is he'll take my car, and because I didn't give him a very good description of what's going on, what he'll have to do then is have to take it out and take it for a drive and see what it's doing, and then he'll bring it back into the garage. And he has these computer diagnostic instruments that he'll put on different parts of the car to try to figure out what his client idiot Sam cannot tell him verbally is going on with his car. He will do diagnostic tests. And in the same way in the spiritual life, we might have just a general issue. We don't even know how to describe it, but all we know to say is, I'm not hearing the voice of God. That's our general issue. And now it's time to hook up the diagnostic tools and ask bigger questions like why. And what I'd suggest is maybe God's silence is not an issue of his transmission, but your reception. What I mean by that is, it isn't that God isn't speaking to you, you just simply might not be in a position to hear. And that might be one diagnostic question to ask yourself. Maybe it's not he's giving me the silent treatment. Maybe he is, in fact, trying to talk to me and communicate with me, and I'm in just no position to be receptive and to hear what it is that he's saying. You aren't listening at the right frequency, and thus God's sound waves, so to speak, are missing you. For example... If you want to listen to awesome 80s music on the weekend, as I'm sure you do because it's awesome 80s music, and who wouldn't, you turn your radio on, and if all you can hear is country music, you don't turn the radio off in disappointment, frustration, or anger and say, well, I guess there's no good 80s music on the radio. No, no. You don't say, I guess I'm in the 80s music waiting room and it's silent. Why have you abandoned me 80s music? Like, you don't do that. I mean... What do you check? Well, what's your radio set to? What's the frequency? And if it says 100.7, is that right, 100.7? Then you know, oh, well, this is B100. They don't play excellent 80s music. What do they play? Then you can fill in the blank for yourself, you know. <laughs> so if you're hearing songs about trucks and driving down old dirt roads and begging girls who wear tight jeans to get in their truck and driving to the nearest river bank and drink ice-cold beer, a.k.a. good stuff, you're probably on the wrong radio station. But if you want to hear excellent 80s music on the weekend, you need to change the frequency from 100.7 to what? Sony 101.5 until that obnoxious Delilah comes on in the evening and then you've got to turn it off. <laughs> right? She drives me insane. Can I just say that out loud? <laughs> Jesus loves her. I just don't want to hear her. Okay. Sometimes you don't hear God, not because he isn't trying to talk to you, but because you're on the wrong frequency. You aren't dialed in any particular way to hear God. You might hear a lot of other things, but God isn't one of them. So what I'd lead to ask is, maybe you're too busy or preoccupied to hear God. Now, this goes back to uh, Lowell just preached three weeks, an excellent series called Margins, in which he challenged us in regards to being so busy in life that you can't hear. You have no margin. It is possible that you were so busy in your life, so preoccupied, that you couldn't hear God even if he was trying to communicate with you. And I don't know why this is, because you would think, well, if it's God, he should be able to break through. And, but what I'd say is, in the main, he kind of acts like a gentleman in this regard. Very, very rarely, he'll take like a Saul and on the road to Damascus, put him on his face with this big blinding. Like, but in the main, if you're too busy for God, like he just kind of he allows you to be too busy for him. Like he doesn't just break in often. And what I'd suggest is maybe you're so busy, so preoccupied, you can't hear. Now, in my less stellar moments of parenting, which seems to happen more often than not, what will happen is one of the kids uh, will come and try to talk to me. 
and I'm busy or I'm preoccupied with doing something else. And so what I'll do is the parenting move of as they're talking, I will offer them from time to time a, uh-huh, 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 right, yeah, until they can tell, wait a minute, we don't think, and that's, there's always a point where my kids will go, wait a minute, I don't think dad's really listening. And then they make up some crazy story, like, and then a purple dinosaur stole my bike. Uh-huh, uh-huh, dad, like, that's kind of what happens in terms of the, or Kelly will say this often, like she'll get frustrated, she recognizes I'm not listening, which I'm always listening, but I mean, and so here's what she, here's what she'll do, she'll go, what was the last thing I just said? And for whatever reason, my brain is really good at quickly recalling what the last thing is that she said, and I can regurgitate it real quick. It's like, you weren't listening. Yeah, that's kind of what happens. Where it's like, and the truth, I probably wasn't listening. And it's sometimes you get so busy and so preoccupied that even if God is trying to speak, it's hard to hear him. And sometimes I'm like that with God. If he were trying to talk to me, I can't hear it because my life is going at such a breakneck speed, even in service to him, that I'm too busy or preoccupied to hear a word he's saying. And thus, as Lowell reminded us, sometimes you need Sabbath and the need for other spiritual disciplines that just allow us to be in a posture of listening. And one such posture is truly to just sit and to stop talking, which would be easier for some of you than others, which, by the way, in prayer, that's what we want to do, right? When we pray, our, our normal mode is just to talk, 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 and I get it. Like, that's what I do with God. And it takes discipline even in prayer to stop talking and to be in a posture of listening, which, by the way, let me put a plug in. Uh, this coming Wednesday is our end of the month on Wednesdays, a prayer event here in this room, and it will begin at 6.30, and it's really an hour of just kind of learning to calm ourselves, to sit in a posture of listening, to be quiet, and to begin to hear the voice of God. And so if you've never been, I really would encourage you this coming Wednesday at 6.30 to join for what will be, I think, an extra, if you've never experienced it, just an exercise of I'm just going to try to listen to the voice of God. And so you're welcome to be here as that's guided for you as well. Now what you'll see is if Jesus is our template in the spiritual life, you'll see he does this all the time. And we tend to think that Jesus had some magical pipeline of communication to his father. And what it says, it wasn't magical, it was intentional. And like any other relationship, he had to prioritize it and he had to make time for it. And so let me just give you one passage, but you'll see this over and over again in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 after he had dismissed them, which is the crowds, did I put the wrong, that doesn't look like the right verse up there, does it? Let me tell you what it really says. Sorry, this is my fault. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, and later that night, he was there all alone. You'll see that Jesus has a habit of doing this. He will leave the crowds, he'll leave his disciples, he'll go off by himself, and he'll just spend time listening to the Father. What you'll see in Jesus' ministry is he engages in the spiritual disciplines that allow him to hear then from his Father. And if you are in the midst of a waiting room, and I mean a serious room, waiting room, it might be time for you to schedule an appointment with God. And what I'd offer to you is go away for the day, maybe even overnight. Find a retreat center to maybe go to. And let me just say, uh, living here in South Bend, uh, the Catholics have fantastic retreat centers all around us, like and very hospitable in terms of you coming and spending the night and spending the day with them. And so maybe for you, hiking is your thing. Maybe camping is your thing. You, you know what's best for you and your personality in regards to that context. And everyone is different. But what I mean by it is just that moment where you're able to kind of withdraw. I mean, Adam even uh, mentioned it in his uh, communion comments in terms of just withdrawing from all electronics and from other people and for just being able to sit, to dial in, and to tune in by way of frequency in a way that you normally wouldn't. And let me offer to you spiritual disciplines in these moments are crucial. Things like silence, 
if you're one of those, like me, I've got noise on all the time, like in my office, in my car, at the house, the TV's on, or the radio, I mean, new, I've got noise on all the time. It is a discipline for me to turn all that off and just to sit in silence, probably because it's excruciating for me after about an hour. Now, once I get beyond the hump, I'm okay, but silence can be a very difficult thing for some. Solitude, where you don't have somebody coming in all the time, I need this, I, especially those of you mothers, like the, you, you have to get away. Solitude, prayer, meditation, I've tried in my time here, especially the past several years, to make it a habit of once a month going on an overnight retreat, which I know not everyone can do that. I completely understand that. What I'm saying, though, is if you're at a crisis point, like I've not heard from God in a very long time, then it might be time to burn just one vacation day so you can do this. And I hear from God in that time in a way I do not otherwise. And I believe not so much because that's the only place I can encounter God or meet God, but because while I'm there, it is the place that I know my posture is different and I'm tuned in, and I'm listening in a way I simply don't when I'm preoccupied with a million and one other things I have to get done. And if God's going to say to me, hey, this really is in your heart, and I want to deal with that, that's most likely where it will take place. It is very possible, you know this, right? It's very possible to wake up, get ready for work, spend all day at work, get off of work, take the kids here, take the kids there, fit in as much of the errands and chores and responsibilities as you can, and finally, at the end of the day, collapse in exhaustion in bed, and that becomes a way of life. And you can do that day after day, week after week, month after month, and that could turn into a year, and you haven't truly stopped to listen to God for quite some time. Let me also suggest to you, fasting the act of giving up food for a period of time is another discipline that seems to have the power to amplify God's voice. And I have no idea why. Like, I wish I could tell you why that is, but at least my own personal experience, if I engage in fasting in the midst of that, it has a, the ability to amplify God's voice in my own spirit, in my own mind. Now, I say all this to you wanting to also say, God is not some mechanism where if you pull this lever, uh, then he dispenses this thing. So this is my best pastoral advice, but don't receive it as like a guarantee. Like sometimes God's silent, and I can't answer that. If he is silent, at least consider these things. If you're not hearing from God, maybe a question you should ask is if you are in a posture and a frequency in which you can hear God's voice. I don't know if you remember in the Old Testament, there's a story about the prophet Samuel, who's just a little boy, and he's got the coolest name, but he's a little boy at the time. And he's trying to sleep, and he keeps hearing this voice say, Samuel, right? But he doesn't recognize the voice. So he thinks it's Eli. So he goes out into the temple courts, finds Eli, and, yeah, what do you want? And he's like, what are you talking about? You, you just called me. No, I didn't. Go back to bed. So Samuel lays back down. And once again, he hears this voice. Samuel goes back to Eli. Yeah, what do you want? What are you talking about? You called me. No, I didn't. Go back to bed. Samuel lays back down. He hears the voice again. And finally, Eli catches on. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9. Eli catches on. Oh, God is speaking to the little boy. And so he instructs Samuel, the next time you hear your name, the next time you hear that voice, just say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Maybe that should be your posture in silence and solitude and meditation and calm. Maybe we just hands up, eyes closed, deep breath, just simply say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, let me offer you another diagnostic question to ask. If you're not hearing from the Lord, it seems like a long period of silence. Did you obey the last thing he said to you? Did you obey the last thing he told you? And I say this because sometimes we're so desperate to get direction and answers from the Lord, and quite honestly, we haven't proven he, we will be faithful what, what he's already 
given to us. Now, I think I've shared this illustration before, but it's, it is by far the clearest illustration in my own life where uh, I had a conflict with a guy here at the church, and, and I, it was just very clear. I don't think I handled it the best way I could have handled it, and just in some time with the Lord, I was very convicted. I've got to apologize. Like, I have to apologize to this guy for what I said and how I acted and, and, and bring about reconciliation through that, and I wasn't wanting to dismiss it or just be disobedient. I just didn't do it right away. Like, I just, all right, I know I need to probably take care of that. And then I let time pass. You know how that works where you intend to, but you just never really acted on it. And I'll never forget, I was once again in that posture. I was one day talk to God, listen to God. I had things I needed him to speak to in my life and here at the church. And I was in nothing, like one saying a word, like nothing. And I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then it finally struck me in my spirit. And what I feel like I say back is, you didn't obey the last thing that I told you to do. And it was just so obvious to me, I think, until I actually do what God wanted me to do, I don't think he's going to say anything else to me. So I had to go sit down and with a piece of paper write out an apology letter right then and there before God would kind of re-engage me again. And in it was the clear, oh, I need to be obedient with the last thing that you gave me in order for you to continue to speak to me. Now, I'm not saying that's always the case, but this might be a question you might want to ask is, did you obey the last word that he gave you? That maybe his silence is an indication of his lack of trust that you will listen to him and do what he says anyhow. And maybe you have somebody in your life, maybe a friend or a coworker who wants to, they want to know your thoughts, they want to know your opinion on something. And you ever had that moment when it was very, very clear to you that they've already made up their mind? Like even though they're still asking for your opinion, they want to talk to you, they want to get you. I mean, they could have coffee for hours. They want to know your thoughts and all this, but it's very clear you've already made up your mind. Like, you've already, you're going to do what you want to do, and it doesn't matter what I say. Sometimes I think maybe that's how we are with God. Like, we've really kind of already made up our mind, kind of already decided what we're going to do, and God's thinking, I don't think you really want to know. Like, you've already decided. I'm not sure you want to know. Do you really want to hear from God? And what I mean by that is, are you truly committed to being obedient to God no matter what he says? Do you really want to hear the voice of God that you're willing to be obedient to it no matter what he says? And there's a story in Matthew chapter 15 where Jesus is talking about uh, the traditions of men and how sometimes they're trumping our true devotion to God. He has a passage that's talking about that. And what's funny is when he's done talking about it, because he gets kind of harsh in his language, his disciples will turn to him and they'll say, hey, did you know that you, you offended the Pharisees when you said that? And they were nervous about that. Like they were the religious leaders and they were the right, they're important people. And they could see, oh my goodness, our master totally just offended those Pharisees and teachers of the law. And Jesus' response in verse 14, and some translations are different, but when he, when he, says, when he says about the Pharisees or these teachers, he says, leave them alone. And those are three very chilling words to hear from Jesus. Leave them alone. I'm not speaking to them. I'm not convicting them. I'm leaving them in their own legalism and their own misunderstanding because their hearts won't listen to me. Most offended hearts can't listen to God. What I just simply offer is if you aren't hearing from God, maybe a diagnostic question is to ask about your obedience to what he has already said to you in your life. The other thing you should ask is maybe God is speaking to you, but you don't recognize his voice. Maybe God is speaking to you, you just you don't recognize it. Now, in fairness to you, this isn't difficult to fall into because if you were just to read from Genesis to Revelation and get out a sheet of paper and a pen and ask yourself, just list all the ways that God speaks, your list would be huge, including everything from the voice of prophets all the way to a talking talky donkey. Like, God spoke in a lot of different ways throughout the scriptures. And this isn't the case with everyone else in your life, right? 
Like this isn't the case with any of our other relationships. Kelly, my wife, her voice has a tone to it. There's a particular quality to it and characteristic to it. There's a particular cadence and intonation. I know her voice. So if you call and you try to imitate her, most likely I'm going to go, that's not Kelly. Like I know her voice. It's a little bit more difficult with God because sometimes we don't recognize his voice or he speaks to us in tones and contexts that we don't recognize. What I'd offer is maybe he is speaking, but your expectation of what that should be or look like might not be the reality. You probably heard this joke before about the guy who flood came and the floodwaters was rising, so he got up on top of the roof and he began to pray, God, save me, save me, rescue me. And then the next thing you know, a neighbor came by in a canoe and told him, hey, the, the waters are rising, just jump on in and I'll take you to safety. To which the man replied, I've prayed to God, I'm, I'm sure he's going to save me. Short time later, the police came by, by in a boat and said, listen, the waters are continuing to rise, you need to jump in, we'll take you to safety. And he replied, oh, no, no, I've already prayed to God and he's going to save me. Another time later, a helicopter hovers overhead and down comes a rope ladder and listen, the waters are still rising, get up on the helicopter, we'll take you to safety. No, 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 I've prayed to God, I'm sure he's going to save me. And then the floodwaters overtook him and he died. And then finally in heaven, he wants an audience with God and he wants to know why in the world he didn't answer the prayer to which God responded, I sent you a canoe, I sent you a boat, and I sent you a helicopter. You didn't get in. And sometimes this is the issue for us. Like, no, God is speaking. We're just expecting something entirely different. There's a story in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 19. It's the prophet Elijah, and he needs to hear from God because he's in a desperate situation. Jezebel's trying to come after him. He's like, death seems to be on the line. And so he has this contest with God, so to speak, and the Lord says in verse 11, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Which, can you imagine that? Like, I'm, I'm going to pass by you. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. And if you're there, you're thinking, must be God, right? We're talking earth, rock shattering, splitting. This has got to be God. But the text says, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. Ah, oh, finally, God. And then it says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. You go, ah, yeah, all the stories of the Old Testament, fire. It's got to, finally, God showed up. And it says, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came just a gentle whisper. So we don't expect the gentle whisper. We expect the rock-splitting experience, the earthquake, the fire. And sometimes God's voice is much softer in tone. And if you aren't paying attention, you might miss it. It's sort of like a dismissing a symptom of a heart attack, like, like oh, that's probably just indigestion. No, no, that, that, you should take that seriously. What I'd say is dismissing that little voice of correction in the back of your mind as nothing to pay attention to, you know, sometimes that's God. Like that's his way of speaking to you. And when it feels like he isn't speaking to you, consider maybe you just didn't recognize it as his voice. Ask for open ears and eyes so you can hear and see that it's him. And then finally, sometimes... He just isn't speaking, and I don't know why, and I don't have an answer for you, and I'm sorry. I shared with you the first week the story about when our oldest son, Isaac, got kidney cancer. There's, when I look back at that experience now many years ago, like there's a lot that you forget, and then there's some that just stand out to you, and you have no idea why your brain kind of computes like that. But one of the scenes in that whole episode for us that really stands out to us was when we were at Riley's Children's Hospital and he was actually in the procedure to remove his kidney. So he was having surgery to remove his kidney. And we went out into the waiting room and 
unfortunately for us, we were very blessed that a large amount of people, even from this church, came down to be with us in Indianapolis, to sit with us at Riley Hospital. And so my whole family was there, Kelly's whole side of the family was there, and then a lot of people from the church were sitting with us to kind of be with us in that time and to bless us. And I'll never forget, in the middle of the surgery, it was a large waiting room, and you had other people whose children were also in surgery, and they were waiting. And I'll never forget uh, looking across the waiting room and seeing just one couple sitting there all by themselves. And here we had a whole group of people sitting with us and praying over us and blessing us and trying to ease our anxiety and worry and fear and concern, just being there. They didn't even say anything, just, just being there. And I remember looking across the room at that one couple and thinking to myself, how in the world does anyone go through this alone? Like, how does anyone endure these moments all by yourself? What I'd say to you is if you are in a waiting room in life, don't sit alone. Let others surround you, even if it's in the midst of silence, even if they don't speak either. Let them pray on your behalf when you don't have any more to pray. Like I shared that, I mean, I just didn't pray. I didn't help me. It was all I got, and that's it. And I depend on other people around me to pray for me on, for, on behalf of my family. Let them, when it's appropriate, remind you of God's faithfulness and care when at that moment you're struggling to see it and believe it. Let them provide real help for you, maybe a meal. And I'll never forget uh, Linda Sue Phillips here. She's now in Washington, D.C. Some of you remember Linda Sue. Um, she made it once a week. She made Kelly and I a meal every week without fail through the entire course of my son's uh, not, not only surgery but chemotherapy, which lasted months. And I look back to that and just think the way that God used individuals and people to be such a huge blessing. I, I had a guy, this is crazy to me. I'm in my office back here one day. And I have a guy, an older gentleman from Terre Haute, Indiana, call my office to offer me his kidney. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He'd heard the story through friends that my son, and, and in case he need, I needed a kidney donated, he was willing to give me his. And I thought, this is the craziest phone call I've ever received. No one has ever called and said, I'd like to give you an organ. I was like, we're good, thanks, the doctors are okay. But those are the things that, in the midst of what feels to me like a waiting room in silence, you depend on others around you. Let them provide a meal, a card, a quick text, maybe an hour at coffee as you wait. And this is, in our best moments, what the church, what Christian community is supposed to look like in its ideal form. But it doesn't just magically break out. You have to pursue community. You have to want it. You have to participate in it. So really, I would just recommend, like, if you're not in a group, you should get in a group. If for no other reason, so that when you find yourself in a waiting room, you don't wait alone. Or maybe for others of you, it's serving on a ministry team here at the Living Stones Church where other relationships can begin to develop. That, wa that way, if you ever find yourself in complete silence and in the waiting room of life, you won't sit there alone. And it doesn't even have to be a lot of people, just a handful that are committed to you and you to them, that when the season of life hits, when you find you're in a waiting room, you won't wait alone. Now, let me offer you a warning. Oftentimes, the waiting room experience itself pulls you into isolation. Like when you're overwhelmed with the things going on in life, and someone who's overwhelmed or depressed doesn't instinctively think to themselves, I'd like to be with other people. Like, it's just not what we normally think. Hard times has the ability to make us want to lay in bed all day, pull the covers up over our head, and not talk to anyone. To not respond to that text or that call or the knock on the door, the email. Thoughts flood your mind of no one understands, they can't do anything anyhow. Even creeping resentments. Even though you don't want them to do anything, you resent the fact that they're not doing anything for you. Listen, people are going to fail you. But don't look to others to rescue you from the waiting room. God is the only one that rescues you from the waiting room. 
and their voice cannot replace his. I'm just simply saying you don't want to sit in the waiting room alone. When it feels like you aren't hearing from God, that he's silent, at the very least, at the very least, go back to that place where you can know that you can tangibly and clearly gain access to his voice. And in that, let me offer to you the scriptures, the Bible, has been our resource for over 2,000 years in the community of faith to allow us to have access to the words of God. That's what, we, that's what we call the Bible, the words of God. And in times of silence, what I'd say is keep engaging in Scripture. Let it be for you the voice of God until you can hear once again His voice. And honestly, sometimes that was the word that you really did need and really already received. And so I find this all the time where the Bible is very clear about something, we're asking God, I just, I need wisdom on how, like, and your Bible's sitting on the coffee table, read me, read, like, like, that's, no, God's already spoken in there, just pick it up and he'll tell you. You have access to that, and I mean, you're living in a day and age, in a time where you literally have access to the words of God right there even on your smartphone, and it truly is amazing. And in the waiting room, allow those ancient words to speak to your heart and spirit, even if it feels like that's all you're getting at the moment. Let's stand together, let's pray. God, I come to you right now, and just as we kind of wrap up this whole series, there are a lot of things that 